You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Stateside Podcast. This is your host, David Roscoe, and I'm here with the powerful Stateside client, producer, extraordinaire, Joey Bertram. Wow, you think I'm powerful? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's great. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Ben. Um, we're sitting here in your studio right now. and Yeah, um, welcome to my studio, the one that you helped me build. Yeah, it was a blast. <laughs> and by a blast, I mean it was really hard work, and I learned a lot about how to be a bad contractor. Hey, I mean, that's a good skill to have these days, I guess. Fair enough. So yeah, so Joey, for anyone in the audience who doesn't, isn't familiar with you, doesn't know who you are, can you give a quick like sort of elevator pitch on you, your story, what you do, how Mm -hmm. you came to Nashville? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, I always take the stairs. Elevator pitch. That was a really bad joke. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a producer, mixer, terrible comedian. Yeah, I don't know. I came to Nashville in 2016, fresh out of high school, and just been like stumbling my way through Nashville ever since. I don't know. Originally came down wanting to play guitar in a band, and I quickly learned that I like being in the studio way more than I like playing guitar. I mean, I can still play guitar in the studio, and I can just hit control Z and then re-record something if I mess up. And that's way more fun to me than anything else. And so I just really enjoy making music and a little bit of everything too. Grew up listening to a lot of punk and metal and classic rock. And I feel like I've taken all of those influences and tried to blend them in a way to where Really anything that, any sound that an artist brings me, I feel like I'm able to kind of embellish on. Um, I feel like that's one of my few strengths. (laughs) Hell yeah. I would argue you have lots of strengths. But yeah, so you're you're a stateside client and you sort of came into the company with me as we were working together uh, beforehand. And when I joined Alma Stateside, you came along and... It's been pretty amazing development in the last year or so. Oh, definitely, dude. Watching things change and seeing you sort of have your, as the kids say, glow up. Dude, it's been one hell of a glow up. That's for sure. I was always very um, skeptical about management just because I came from a very DIY place. And it was like, oh, well, if this dude can do it, I can do it. But yeah, having worked with Stateside, my eyes have been opened and I have glowed up for sure. Um, and it's a hundred percent because of you and Stateside. And I couldn't be happier with the way that the last year and a half, no, last year, Last, yeah, year. A little bit over a year. Yeah, the way that it's gone. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a real boy now. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's good. That's um, one of my main goals is make sure my f- clients feel like real boys. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how things have changed and, you know, what it looked like for you. Maybe I guess you and I started working together probably two and a half years, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how your day-to-day life has changed and how your approach to production and then also like the industry as a whole. And if you think that has had an influence on your part in it. For sure. I mean, day-to-day life, while my studio isn't in my bedroom, (laughs) which is pretty cool. I don't know. It was definitely a bit of a learning curve, like not rolling out of bed and sitting at my desk all day. Now I actually have to get a little bit of sunlight on my way to the studio, which I feel like can only really help me. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm making the best music I've ever made. And it's because I don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that I don't want to deal with or that I'm not good at dealing with. I've never really been business minded. And you know this probably better than most people. (laughs) I'm way more concerned with making music that's fun and that artists are happy about and that their listeners will be happy about. And so a lot of the business decisions I'm terrible at making. And so having somebody that I can at least go to and say, yo, dude, do you think this is a good idea? Or what do you think about this? has boosted my overall confidence through the roof. And that was something I wasn't expecting to happen. I couldn't be happier about it, to be honest. Uh, The industry, though, I mean, it's always changing, you know? You got to stay hip with the times and make fresh stuff, which is really hard to do. The map is always changing. The landscape is always changing. And it's a challenge, and I like it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to note that, you know, you're you're giving me and stateside a lot of credit. And I think we deserve it. I think we we are do a very good job and have helped you to empower yourself to where we are. But I think you deserve a little more credit. I mean, you're coming to me with ideas all the time saying, What do you think of this? Because you're highly creative and you're passionate and you care a lot. Yeah. And I can't I can't make that change for you. Mm -hmm. That's something that has to come from within you. And I think it's important for people to know, like, just having a manager doesn't make a career for you. Oh, no, not at all. There's so much work that goes into it. Yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta, you know, be really good at your craft first. But I think, like, having, this is gonna sound horrible, having validation just makes me feel really good. (laughs) I don't think that sounds horrible at all. And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening right now that might be, you know, like bedroom producers who are a little bit newer to the game, who maybe they don't have that support system to, to send stuff to and to bounce ideas off of. So then you're just sort of in this, this world in your own head where you have to not only come up with the ideas and also decide if they're good and then also implement them Mm -hmm. and edit them. But you can really get like, I think like stuck in a, in a vortex there. And if you don't have that support system and that validation, 
all you really have to go off of is like streaming numbers or Instagram yeah. numbers, which is can be such a misleading mm-hmm. and also not artistic or fun. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that like really makes the machine run well is that first and foremost, you're one of my best friends, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, you know, management is great, but really your manager can be your best friend. It can be the dude that's like, hey, check out this thing that I just made. And your buddy's like, oh, that's sick. But like, I don't know, this one thing is a little weird. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you do for me. And you do a lot more for me than that. But the (laughs) gist of it is, you know, you're my second brain. And it's really important, I feel like, to get out of your own head and also to get out of your own way a lot of the time and just let your creativity flow and then also have someone be able to, you know, sort of, I don't know, check your work for you. Sure. Yeah. Have a sounding board. Yeah, yeah, exactly, totally. exactly. Okay, sweet. Yeah, talking a little bit about how the industry has changed, I'm curious, I mean, I know them, but I want to hear you talk about it for the audience, about your feelings on AI and oh, no. <laughs> how it, how you think it's going to influence the music industry. Um, spoiler alert, Joey's scared of it. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, I think that AI is going to first take my job and then second is going to rule the world, which is why I have never been on any of the AI sites. I have never done any of the AI things. I do not use AI mixing or mastering. I'm going to be nice to it so that when it comes to power, it'll be nice to me, hopefully. In all seriousness, though, I think it is incredible. And I think the reason that I'm scared of it is that I don't fully understand it. And the potential for it is literally limitless. And I think as a whole, as long as we're able to control it, it's really going to be, I mean, it already is the next big thing, but it's going to be like the big thing. I mean, I saw like a TikTok the other day saying that in the next five to 10 years, AI could be making all of our software for us. Which is insane. Like, that's so cool. But it's also terrifying because, you know, five years ago, it was like, go to school and be a software engineer and you're going to rule the world. And now a computer might be doing that for you. You know, I, I don't think that it could ever replace a human's touch because there's emotion, even some, you know, going into something like coding. There's still a lot of humanity put into that. But... It's one of those things that I like can't look away from because it's so incredible, but also so terrifying (laughs) to me. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how it expands in the next few years because it's just going to skyrocket. Absolutely. So fast. I mean, even right now, um, the last podcast I did with John McLucas, he told me that he had recently read something that said that 50,000 songs a day come out to streaming services that have some sort of AI tool used to make them. Jeez, that's yeah. wild. And and that's before even the major labels have accepted AI right. and turned around to start to use it. And, you know, honestly, I think that'll they'll be one of the last people to do it 
because yeah, you know big corporate con- like companies with old dudes running them tend to be a little mm. slow on the tech curve. Uh, but I think that's probably a good thing for people who are trying to you know sort of champion this new wave of technology and music and web three yeah. as part of that. Yeah, I think it's something that could be harnessed, but I agree that mm-hmm. we sh- having a healthy fear of it is probably a good thing. We're basically just trying to create God. Yeah. Like, uh, that's what's <laughs> happening, and that terrifies me. I haven't thought about it like that, but yeah. you're, you're not wrong. It's either we're trying to create God or we're trying to become God, and I can't figure out which it is. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but... me either. Maybe AI does. Should we get on chat GPT and ask <laughs> it right now? No, but I was going to say, have you heard AI Drake? No. I don't know what it is, but it's like they use AI to mimic his voice and then the AI writes a song and I'm pretty sure it writes a beat. Maybe it doesn't write the beat, but then it like makes a music video and it is just as good, if not better than Drake. Wow. Like, dude, you should look it up. It's okay. It's kind of terrifying. Well, if this was a Joe Rogan experience, I'd tell Jamie to do it, but Jamie, pull it up. (laughs) (laughs) So to get back to the talking about you and talking about music. Sure. So you're a music producer. You do a lot of writing, mm-hmm. production, mixing, mastering. You kind of do it all. I frequently, you know, call you Swiss Army Knife producer. Oh. That's uh Yeah, I mean, he's just you're somebody who regardless of genre and regardless of the scope of the project, you're generally at least down to give it a crack. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's even things I'm not good at, which is kind of <laughs> bad sometimes. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is an important, I don't want to call it a skill, but more of like a mindset. Oh, absolutely. And I'm curious. It's a philosophy I live by. Exactly. A philosophy. Great way to put it. Mm -hmm. And I think that talking to that person that we were talking to earlier, like the younger bedroom producer who's still sort of learning, cutting your teeth, be willing to go outside your comfort zone and try something. Absolutely. That's what's going to keep you relevant. And it's also what's going to keep you on your toes. Absolutely. And also it's it's how you learn in this industry. Yeah. Like you don't, I I hate to break it to you, but you can only learn so much in audio school and it can only prepare. (laughs) You want to get me going. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go ahead, man. I'll tell you right now, I am a satisfied graduate of YouTube University. I moved to Nashville with a band and we wanted to make a record, but we didn't want to pay Nashville prices. So I was like, eh, I could do that. And so I did. And I'd been recording before that, but it was just like little acoustic EPs and like doing demos and stuff. We did it, and I wouldn't say that it turned out, it's not the best sounding album of all time, but considering that I made the entire thing with a Focusrite 2i2 and a 57, and literally just by watching like Nail the Mix tutorials <laughs> and like whatever mixing videos I could find on the internet, that was when I was like, dang, maybe I should be doing this instead. Like, this first off, it's way more fun. And honestly, I don't think I'm bad at it. I mean, this is in 2016. I was like, wow, maybe I should just completely uproot my entire life and pivot and turn in this direction. But nothing, I mean, I can't speak to audio school because I have never been. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I've hung out at a couple and I know a couple people that went to them, but I am a firm believer in that 
There is nothing that audio school can teach you that you can't learn yourself if you have the gusto to go out and find it. The only benefit that I would say there is to going to audio school is being surrounded by musicians, producers, if there's a music business type course or whatever, like being surrounded by those types of people. This is an industry where networking is, what would you say, like 60% of the job? It's definitely more than 50. I'd say it's 80% of my job. There you go. Yeah, Um, 80. Of your job, it's probably a little less. Yeah. but... But, you know, if you are doing everything yourself... Networking is going to be huge. I can count on one finger the number of people that I know who are like just on Discord all the time and are killing it right now. Everyone that I know who is really good at what they do and doing a lot of really good stuff, they're talking to people. You know, they're they're not just sitting in their room producing stuff. I mean, even if you are putting it out, that's great. But you got to follow up on that. You know, you got to meet people. You got to constantly be growing your groups of people that you're tight with and that's one thing that school is good for but when it comes to learning audio i don't know about that well the thing with with any school any education in anything especially as it relates to you know if there's a big technological component to it Mm -hmm. is education is almost always 10 years behind yeah where any given industry is right now. For sure. And that's for a lot of reasons, mostly, you know, red tape. And yeah, if you're being taught by, you know, Aerosmith's producer, that's you sick. can, yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. And you can learn a lot of really cool stuff, but you probably won't be learning much about how to harness the multitudes of free plugins that are available. Well, that's to what you. I was literally about to say. Like, all the all the people that I know that went to Belmont, right? You get in there and you're working on like an API desk, like a giant console. And you're like, this is so fucking cool. Like, oh my God, I'm turning the knobs. I'm, I'm moving the faders and all this stuff. And then you graduate and it's like, cool. Now I have an Apollo Duo and a MacBook, yeah. you know? Like, that's great that you know how to work a console, but I think... Unless you get a job at a commercial studio, like if you're trying to be your own producer and like make a name for yourself and not work at a studio, what are you going to do with that console knowledge? You know, I mean, maybe you like do a drum session and you're tracking onto a desk and that's cool. But, you know, I just feel like they teach you like it's 1980 and you work at like Sunset. Yeah. You know what I mean? That or... My, you know, because I I didn't go to audio school, but I did go to music business school. And my biggest complaint about it, and it's very much tied in with what you're saying, is that they teach everything at the highest level of what that thing is. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when we learned about how to secure a producer agreement, they taught us the standard rates for a producer on like, you know, a, a rock song or a country song. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, you know, typically a producer gets ten to $50,000 per song as their fee. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, and that is true for the elite 1% of producers in the say, world. I was about to say, I'm, yeah, okay, my rates are going up, I guess. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but they didn't ever sit down and talk about, okay, this is what you do when you, when you get to the top. Yeah. They, they, they never talked about 
how to take the steps and get to the top. Well, I was about to say, like, bro, do you realize that I'm about to be graduating college in like two to three years and I'm going to be 21 and broke? Like, yeah. what do I do now? You know, it's not like, uh, OK, cool. I mean, this is Nashville and there are those people that just get those crazy deals while they're at Belmont or MTSU or whatever. And that's sick. But like, why are you only teaching to them? You know, like, yeah. And that's not the norm. No, it's That's not. 1%. 100% it's not. I yeah. mean, I I feel like I've kind of scraped and clawed my way up from playing in horrible pop punk bands in high school that would tune drop D volume up on stage. You know what I mean? Like most people, they're not like, they don't come from that. And I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's really tough to pander to everybody when A, you're, the curriculum you're teaching is pretty outdated and B, you're, you're just teaching what it's like in the top, you know, like if you're the best in the world. I don't know. Like you can make Absolutely. a hit on a laptop with a 2i2. Why don't yeah. they show you how to do that? You know, I mean, they show you the basics, but it's like, I don't know. Ugh. Anyway. 100%. I my mean, blood pressure is going up. Recently, I saw a photo going around of um, T-Pain's setup when he when he made that record i guess probably like 2008 or 9 i'm not sure what the record's called but the record that people know t-pain is a solo artist is that the from. one with like uh buy you a drink and yeah exactly all that? exactly Hell yeah and Taking it's me back to middle school <laughs> um but th it's a photo of an old laptop probably from 2006 mm -hmm. and a small two octave keyboard yeah and tiny looked like three inch monitors yep. and an interface and he's like and, and a literal sm58 and yeah he, and he said this is what i made this whole record on yeah well so i was like, about to say especially like in mainstream music now it's like bro people are tracking their final vocals in hotel rooms yeah you know like i don't want to say the commercial studio is dead because that hurts my heart but it's like get with the times you know what i'm saying like absolutely yeah i don't know i feel like audio school needs to focus more on like just things that are relevant like show them how to route stuff in logic i mean they do show this but i feel like it's one of those things where it just gets skipped right over and i don't know a lot of students i feel like are very oh let's go get on the board let's go get on the board and it's like well yeah that's cool you should maybe do that a little bit but why don't you learn how to tune a guitar jesus christ <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like like <laughs> bro that's a whole other can of worms but yeah i don't know audio school is great if like you know absolutely nothing about music in general and you want to learn that because most of the, I feel like a lot of the people that go to audio school have been doing music for a very long time and what they really need is already instilled in them. If you're starting from zero when you graduate high school, go to audio school. Absolutely. It's only going to help you. But if you have the drive, you can learn all of this yeah. on your own and not pay a dime. Well, actually, you might have to pay for internet, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that... You know, we've only really talked about the technical side of things, mm -hmm. but I mean, how much would you have loved to, in 2016, when you decided you want to be a producer, take a class on networking? Oh my and God. And take a class on branding yourself. Yeah. If you're going to go to like a music school, I think like the business path is probably the best thing that you can do. And I used to give so much shit to everybody in high school. It's like, oh, I'm getting a business degree. But now I'm, I kind of kick myself for that because it's like, oh, okay. Like, wow, if I would have done that, I would have paid a lot of attention. 
and I would have really focused on like how to be a really good salesman and how to close deals and how to like really network and marketing. Oh my God. Like marketing, I feel like is everything nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much more that goes into being a producer and having a studio than just like, what's your attack and release settings on that compressor? You know what I mean? Of course. Honestly, that's probably the least important part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can make the objective best mixes in the world. You could you could beat the top the world's best mixers and producers in, you know, like shootouts, but if nobody knows who you are and no one's hiring you, yeah, then it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter at all. And yeah, and you're going to, you know, have to get a day job. Uh-huh. So, I think this is a good place to seg- segue into, you know, in the last in the last year or so, your career has changed in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't to say that you went and you, you know, blew up to the level of Machine Gun Kelly or something like that. <laughs> Not but, yet. Um, I'm coming for you, <laughs> Kelly. Uh, what's his name? I'm coming for you, Machine Gun. <laughs> I'd love to know sort of what you've learned and how your the way you think about yourself and your career and your business has changed. Oh, for sure. Time. Yeah, totally. I feel like it used to be based on just absolute brute force and like I'm just going to work until I hate my life and then I'm going to take two days and become a human being again and then I'm going to lock myself in the studio again for another two weeks straight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's become way more of a, okay, like I can have a routine, I can take time off, I can be a human being the philosophy has changed a lot. It used to be, I'm going to do really cheap work for people so that I can get clients and I'm going to work myself into the ground and I'm going to work harder than everybody else. But I was doing it the wrong way. Instead, I was like working harder and not smarter. You know what I mean? Now I feel like I'm working smarter. I mean, I'm still working hard, but it's not like, uh, cool, I can't, I'm not going to have a life because of X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Totally. To touch on that real quick, yeah. my perspective from someone who's not quite inside your brain but not quite outside it either yeah. is um, that I have seen you really change your perspective on your your worth and your value. Oh, and God. That's I made think, the biggest difference, dude. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, trying to just be the cheapest – there will always be someone cheaper. Well, that's, and that's what I was not a niche. That's what I was gonna say, dude. Like yeah. cheap work made me feel cheap. Yeah, you absolutely. know, I thought, oh, I can, I can just do cheap work, and then it'll get more, get me more clients. But then I was busier, and I just wasn't making money. You know, and, and the cheapest clients tend to be the worst clients. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like I felt cheap for sure. And you know, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm way more focused on like I care more about the music than I do making money but at the end of the day one of the lessons that I've learned over the last two years is that you have to make money to live (laughs) like if you make you know like if you set like a reasonable rate and don't just say cool I'm just gonna not charge if you're actually reasonable about stuff like that and to be clear reasonable doesn't mean 
a little more money than the very cheap you're charging now. No. It means something that clients can pay and something that affords you to be able to live. Yeah, no, seriously. Like, oh my God, being able to afford to live is so nice. Like, you know, <laughs> and I don't even feel like, I don't know. It's just like, it's helped my overall headspace so much. And that was honestly a really hard lesson for me because I don't want to, you know, I I just want to make music. But that's why it's really nice having you because you can deal with all that for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And if I had to, if roles were reversed and I had to be the one making music all day, we wouldn't make any money, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to be making some music soon. Don't think I've forgotten about the riff. Okay. Yeah, that's next Sunday. So... There's a there's an elephant in the room that the audience might not know about, but I'm sure Joey knows about it, and he probably didn't want me to bring it up, but I'm bringing it up anyway. Okay. You've seen a lot of success on TikTok lately. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you have been in in his historically not the biggest TikTok advocate. So I'd love Don't to hear- Don't say that, dude. They'll be listening. <laughs> uh, They're always I'd listening. love to hear your approach to it, how yeah. you keep it sustainable- what's worked for you and and what how you found it's affected your life and career totally well um it's true i was not the biggest tiktok fan i actually only got a tiktok what like three months ago four months ago something like that um and yeah i was not about it for a long time um and you told me yo dude you should just like write some riffs and put them on tiktok and i was like okay sure whatever so i did and literally like the second one <laughs> just like exploded out of nowhere. Yeah, it kind of changed my opinion about TikTok specifically. I mean, I'm not anti-social media or anything like that, but it definitely specifically changed my views on TikTok because I realized how powerful the algorithm really is. Like, I feel like I got to see like a sliver of its essence when that happened you know what i mean um and it was kind of insane the um yeah i don't know i think it is really important to be consistent on it you know speed is kind of a factor um but yeah i don't know man it's it's pretty cool i think yeah absolutely and on top of that it has brought in a lot of new perspective clients. Oh, 100%. I mean, the people writes, that I've met through it are like super sick. Yeah. It's opened a, opens a lot of really, really cool doors that we could have opened on our own, but it just, TikTok sort of handed the key to us in a way. Made yeah. life a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. So you also have a couple of projects that are you are producing them, you're mixing them, but mm -hmm. you're also in the bands. I do. That are in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's, that's the world you originally come from. Yeah. And it's where a lot of your passion for music comes from. So I'd love for you to talk about them a little bit. Totally, dude. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the world that I came from was playing music, not really m producing it. Started out playing bluegrass, playing bluegrass jams. And then I... Found out what Drop D was, and then I started playing pop punk because, you know, why play the hard stuff? Um, and then I did, like, indie and all of that stuff, and then, yeah, I don't know, I just, like, really did not enjoy playing music for a very long time because 
of a lot of different things. I mean, like some of the people that I was making, well, not making music with, but like playing music with kind of turned me off to it. And it just wasn't the vibe. So I started producing. And um, honestly, the I, I joined a shoegaze band like in 2018, 2019 called Joinery. And that was the band that made me really be like, oh, okay, I actually like making music that I'm a part of again. And so did that thing for a while. Guys moved away during COVID. It happens. Global pandemic, what are you going to do? You know, who, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but now, yeah, I've got, I've got a band with my ex-girlfriend. And it's not as complicated as you think it is. It's actually kind of dope. And we're called Glenview. And it's sort of like shoegaze. It's a little poppy. We got a lot of music, like a lot of music kind of ready to go. But the first EP, I think we're going to be dropping soon. Um, And then also my high school band, (laughs) my like the last pop punk band I was in high school just had a uh, sort of renaissance and uh, resurgence. And so we just finished re-recording the EP that we recorded in high school. Which was the EP that made me want to become a producer because I didn't like the way that it came out. And out of spite, I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this. Eh. But yeah, it's honestly great. I I really enjoy writing for other people a lot, but it gives me that little like butterflies in my stomach feeling when it's like, oh, cool. I wrote this thing and I'm about to release it. And I haven't felt that in years. Totally. Like a long time. Yeah. So I'm really excited about all of this music. And also it's kind of more in the like the realm of the stuff that I was doing in high school, which I've been doing pop music, I'd say predominantly up until recently. So getting to do kind of the heavier, more raw stuff is very exciting for me. Totally. So yeah, I'm really, really excited on both of those projects. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, as we're sort of nearing the end here, um, there's something that we ask everyone mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast. So we'll we'll sort of leave with this. But can you give a sort of state of the union on the music industry, where you think it's heading? Do you like where it's heading, et cetera? Well, we already talked about AI, so I don't mm-hmm. have to bring that up. <laughs> I think the state of the music industry is very good. Guitar is cool again, and that's all I could ever ask for. There's a lot of guitar music out there that I'm not really personally a fan of, but kids are picking up guitars again, and that makes me happier than anything could. People are starting to record live drums again, more, you know, than they did. And I feel like the day, like the the times that we live in, as stressful as they are not related to music, when it comes to music, I feel like music feels kind of like a community a lot now there's like a lot of collaborations that are coming out that are really sick and you know the the lines are the streams are getting crossed you know what i mean like genre is dying and i'm all for it and people are you know really invested in the music that they like and that makes me happy people are writing really good music and yeah i couldn't I don't know. I mean, maybe I could be happier, but I don't know that I could be happier. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Anything you want to plug? Anywhere you want to send people to to find out about you? Yeah, for sure. session with you? 
Go check out my TikTok. Yay. Um, <laughs> nah, but yeah, um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. And uh, I have a website that I neglect, but feel free to check that out. Uh, I think there's a contact form on there. But yeah, my DMs are always open. I'm sure you can find my email in one of those places. And my email is always open. Um, actually, yeah, if you could flood my email, that'd be sick because then I'll just make Dave deal with it. But yeah, nah, um, come find me. Come chat. I love talking to people about stuff. It makes me happy. So. Do you have anything you want to plug? I think you nailed it. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I would for you. Oh, for me? Yeah. What do you want to plug? Go check out Joey's TikTok. Oh, dude, <laughs> get out of here. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm done with this. Well, sweet. Thank you so much for taking your time to do this, man. Oh, dude, I'm like, this is so sick. Like, thanks for having me, man. Hell yeah. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.